You are listening to a recording from the Melting Pot Discussion Forum, which took place in July 2022 in Ostrava during the Colours of Ostrava Festival. Welcome again uh, to the next session. Can you put your hands up if you've been in the previous sessions today, even one of them? Wow, most of you, thank you. Have you enjoyed them? Good. Thank you so much uh, for coming to sessions in English, uh, even though you're mostly Czech, and I'm interviewing mostly Czech people who speak brilliant Czech, but we're doing the interviews in English. So forgive me for that, but it's an international forum. Uh, and hopefully the translators, thank you to the translators who are keeping up. Now, what we're going to be talking about now is Africa. The whole of today is about how what's happening in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, is impacting the whole world. The ripples that are going around the world. The rock has been thrown in the, in the water, the ripples are going and they're impacting all over the world. And today, now we're going to talk about Africa, which has, what's happening in Ukraine has a massive impact in Africa and will have an impact back in Europe, as we'll explore. And with me is Martin Schmeidel, who is um, the editor of Africa Today, based here in the Czech Republic. I haven't got it in front of me. Name of your university again, please. Which university are you at? Hradec Králové. Thank you. Better that you say it than I do, anyway. Uh, and Martin's an, obviously an expert in Africa and based here in the Czech Republic. So Martin, let, let's just, let's just, by the way, for those of you, again, who were not in any sessions, you'll know, I'm very keen to involve you in the discussion as well. Um, so if you want to say something, just put your hand up and I'll try and, I'll try and spot you and then at, at the right moment, I'll come to you. I want to hear your opinions, your thoughts too. Because Martin is not only an expert in Africa, he's very involved actually in African immigrants in the Czech Republic, which we will talk about too, because that's a relevant to this whole discussion. But sorry, Martin, let's start with this. Can you give us just an overview right now, just immediate overview of, of, of how what's happening in Ukraine is already ha having an impact in large parts of Africa? Hey, well, hello. Well, it's good to see so much people here because uh, as I'm not in any way famous, it means that you care about Africa. Um, so, well, just to start and give some very simple, simple answer that you will probably expecting very simple answers. It, it's it's not easy. Um, Martin, you want to put your mic closer just to okay. get a bit louder? Yeah, it's, 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 it's better. Okay. And um, but what a bit worries me, and it already appeared uh, in previous panels here, that we speak only about Africa in times when there is something wrong. You know when uh, when. Uh, that we actually do not speak about Africa. We speak about Russia in Africa. We speak about China in Africa. We speak about migrants coming from, from Africa to Europe. But actually, in the end, it's not about the Africa. It's a, it's, it's a bit pro problematic. And it's, that is the reason why, for example, some African leaders are not happy about, about, about uh, European countries investing money and uh, on the other, on the other way, they go, uh, they go for China. But let me start a bit differently and ask an audience actually, when it was the last time you have read or hear something about Africa? Oh, yeah, someone there? Young population, young population, young population, yeah. And it, so the question, what have you last read about Africa? The young population with great potential, very positive. Anything else? Anyone put their hands up? They've just read recently. Shark attacks. Shark attacks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that's, that's Cutting cool. down the young population that's growing in Africa. <laughs> just as they're getting young and growing, they're being attacked by sharks. What a terrible combination. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, because what what I mean by this by this question is that mostly what we hear is is something happened. It's conflict. It's a terrorism. It's food crisis in uh, in Africa because of climate change, because of Russian war against Ukraine, and and that, that, that's it. Simply, we our uh, the narratives that we are receiving are uh, very often the pictures of tra tragedy. You know. And even though we will be speaking mostly about 
the Russia involvement now in Africa, I just want to highlight that Africa is not, it's, it's not a single story of this, of conflicts, of terrorism, of migration, of uh, migration waves. But to your questions, um, Ru Russia, uh, the war, uh, Russian war on Ukraine already heavily influenced, uh, influenced uh, Africa. Mainly through the food, uh, food prices, which already uh, raised even before the war, but also in general because of the whole sanctions that uh, European uh, or the other states uh, put on on on, on uh, Russia. Uh, the reason is that the price, the, the high prices of fuels of food influencing the whole population. It influencing development, influencing um, in, in, in general whole economical exchange between, between the states because uh, many of African states are heavily dependent on trade, on trade with China, but also on trade with Russia. In case of, in, in case of, Rus in case of Russia, it is for example a question of um, in, in, instructors who are uh, going uh, coming to Africa to somehow show it's mainly connected, obviously, with the military military means. But this thing will not happen because Russia will not receive the payment because of the swift cancel. Uh, so there is several influences about we, which we will probably probably speak. It also influenced Africa in case that it is now in a spotlight, probably mainly once again in a a bit bad point of view because because uh, worldwide newspapers have been full of the UN uh, UN resolution in 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 which of the voting uh, with uh, most of the or almost half of the African countries somehow abstained did not vote or actually even have been against so let's let's talk about that so that that's a really big point there which is which, which I want to just dive into. The UN resolution took place condemning the invasion of Ukraine. 17 African nations, I believe, abstained. And this comes, now we've heard a lot today from, a num from particularly the two former Czech foreign ministers about the fact that much of the world outside of Western Europe, America, Australia, New Zealand, actually views this conflict very differently, has a very different view of the conflict, and, and, and the, the, we're, we're in some ways losing the problem. What, so let's go there. Why would so many African countries, former colonies in many cases of European countries, why would they abstain on this issue and take such a strong view? What's happening? Well, um, the reasons have been obviously uh, different. Some, some of the states have objectively rational uh, reasons for, for, for abstaining because they have some ties to Russia, political, economical. But it also depends. We, we, can, we can mention Eritrea, which have been actually against uh, the whole resolution, but it has absolutely no or very, very low economical ties and almost no uh, political ties. But the reasoning behind this is for, is. Uh, uh, is that Eritrea is a long time, um, it's, um, it's, uh, it's long time seen by the UN and obviously the West as undemocratic state. It is undemocratic state, it is under sanction, it's, I would even call it heavily authoritarian or even totalitarian state. Uh, but the reasoning is that it was not voting only against the sanction but also against the whole system, let's say the, the UN. To, to, to show that, well, okay, you are bad on us, we will be bad on you. So that, that's actually only reason probably for Eritrea to vote on this. But then, then we have there, close to your mouth. Then, uh, then we have a countries uh, which simply somehow buying the arguments of, of, of Russia. For example, South African, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa even mentioned that actually the the reason for that war is the expansion of NATO, and that's NATO. Who is what's the cause actually of the, of, the, of the of the war? So, some of these countries simply 
use the same narrative or as as the Russia as, as the Russia do, and um, uh, some countries, on the other hand, uh, they use simply argument well argument of non-alignment. We do not care. We should be neutral, and with that small afterward, because of the resolution, will somehow stop the possibilities to make some uh, peaceful meeting between the Ukrainian president or Ukrainian politicians and Russia, which is obviously the nonsense because it's, uh, again, the narrative which, for example, Czech populists use, it's, or Russian, uh, Russian media, again, use because the resolution is something, if you agree with the resolution, we cannot simply have any kind of agreement. We cannot uh, meet with the Ukrainian politicians because we are the one who has a harder punished one. But, and then there are countries who actually supported the resolution, roughly half of them. And here, here uh, the reasons are quite clear. It's, they are simply worried that the same thing could happen to them. African states have the his historical experience of being colonies. And so they somehow feel that every, every uh, Every break of sovereignty is heavily problematic. This is why they support Ukraine because, well, this could happen to us too. You know, sovereignty. So, in this case, Russia is the colonial power that is trying to suppress. It, it, that's it, how they see it. The, the behavior is actually the same. Trying to have, a, trying to you know, tear up the country and put it into its own uh, own territory. So they see it in, from, from this point of view, from this historical experience of being occupied, simply. Right. The, but there is also, um, one of the backgrounds to this we've discussed before, is the new scramble for Africa. For those not familiar with this term, it was a colonial term when all the European countries, well, certainly, what's well, the European countries? I mean, countries like mine and France and, you know, some others, not your country maybe. Uh, but, um, uh, so not all the European countries at all, in fact, only a few of us. But, um, uh, but the, the scramble for Africa was to go and grab as much of Africa as you could. That was the, the fight for Africa. And then there is a new scramble for Africa, as China is obviously very involved with Africa. And I want to talk about that because the, the big powers, China, Russia still, and the US, to lesser extent, I think, I guess, places like Britain or France are still involved, um, but still are trying to grab or have influence or own, you know, say you're on my side in Africa. So that's going on right now. Can you give us some idea of the background? What's happening there and how is that impacting? How is what's happening in Ukraine impacted the African response to, to what's happened there? Um, well, it, it could be actually opportunity for Africa, it could be opportunity for actually also European Union to renegotiate, reframe uh, mutual uh, relationships or relations because, because uh, European Union will need coal, it will need gas, oil. This, those are the things that African states can provide Oh, uh, there could be coal from South Africa, even though we know how South Africa actually voted uh, during the UN uh, resolution. Uh, there could be uh, gas from Nigeria, actually, and correct me if I'm mistaken, I think that there is already an agreement with Nigeria and a pipeline which should go uh, to Alger uh, and then to, to Europe that should be provision for European Union. Sorry, and so, there's a, so there's a pipeline plan from Nigeria through Algeria to Europe. It, it, yeah, it should pipeline. be like Trans-Saharan pipeline, which should, which should be there. And uh, so th there is a huge possibility to, yeah, reframe, restructure our mutual or relationship, relations between European Union and Africa. Because uh, in recent years, I would say that simply European Union or more precisely European states uh, they have been losing ground in Africa. There is a, several reasons behind that. Colonial past, uh, sometimes very unlucky decisions, supports of wrong regimes, let's say non-democratic regimes, which is obviously uh, very problematic. And this space, or some, some countries even totally or almost left Af Africa from this point of view. It was not simply interest, interesting for, for them. 
by, and this space have been filled in by China. For example, China uh, did never ask you on what kind of regimes you are. That there's nothing as a transparency that you need to somehow fulfill because those are the things that European states obviously somehow have to follow. They have to ask, well, okay, how is it with the human rights? How is it with the ecology? Simply take a look on, on Ghana and, uh, uh, for example, small-scale gold mining. Uh, China doesn't care. We will destroy the, uh, the rainforest. Well, okay, if nobody asks. That, that would be obviously an issue for European states. We cannot simply go and destroy Europe. And the, and the US, I guess, as well, and the Americans. Oh, oh yeah, obviously, like, let's, let's yeah. call it Wests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so China, we know that. I mean, there's a, we know that China has been moving big time into Africa, not asking any questions, not asking about democracy, not asking about human rights, not asking about the environment. As long as we can get out your resources, we don't care. That's what you're saying. But Russia has. I mean, how many people here? Put your hands up. If you have any, if you thought that Russia was still very involved with Africa, put your hands up. If you thought Russia was very involved. A few, a few of yeah, you are okay. Let's talk about that because Russia, before Ukraine, was very involved with Africa, and there's a direct connection between what Russia did in Africa, is doing in Africa, and what it's been doing in the Ukraine. So, can you talk about that? What's what's Russia been doing in Africa, and how does that connect with the Ukraine? Well, it, it is important because I've seen it was like roughly one one quarter of people who know something about Russia in Africa. Russia actually has quite long, like longer history that, than we would expect in in in, uh, in Africa. Obviously, it was not a colonial power, as France or uh, UK uh, or Germany, but uh, and it was actually heavily anti-colonial during the Cold War, and that's actually where the history very strongly starting. And, uh, and it was helping during the liberation, uh, lib liber liberation era uh, with pro provision of arms, and we will get back to this, uh, provision of arms and training. Many of the leaders and soldiers of liberation movements have been trained in socialist countries, in Russia, obviously in Czech Republic, and, um, or Czechoslovakia by the time. Um, and now, then, after the Cold War, Russia somehow disappeared from from, Af from Africa. It was not important. R Russia needs to look at you, its own problems. And then, uh, with the Putin, just like that, Russia came back to Africa, and, and Africa had been a very important part, where to somehow prove yourself as a power. So Russia see Africa as an opportunity for itself to, yeah, to, to get power again, to receive an alliances, to receive a support from other states, and to, yeah, to prove, prove, prove itself as a, and, as and a power. And how has it done it? How has it done it? What, where, how has Russia got in and become so you know, influential? It is, it is a bit different form than, uh, than China. As probably most of you somehow know, China investing lots of money trillions or billions of billions of uh, US dollars in, in Africa, investing, uh, selling know-hows, etc. Russia is doing nothing like that. It's, n it's definitely not about invest investments. It's a bit about trade, even though Russia right now and even for the last five years, it was not so significant in case of trade. But there was one, <laughs> one part of trade which, which, that was very important, it was armed trade. Actually, Russia is the biggest provider of arms in Africa right now. I think it's roughly 40, 40, 40 to 50% of arms in Africa are simply coming from, from Russia. And that, that's something, obviously, for, for African, African states. And what it's doing also is that it's helping uh, African leaders, uh, mainly leaders of non-democratic leaders, to somehow sustain their power. Um, you Probably all of you have heard about Wagner Group, now very, very famous because of the Ukraine. Could Before, you start there? Does everyone, who's, who has heard of the Wagner Group? You, and we all heard about them in the Ukraine, so let's hear what they're doing in, in Africa. You, know, you probably know what they've done, what they are now doing in, in Ukraine. You probably know what they've done in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Syria, but do you know what they are doing in Central African Republic, for example? Uh, 
because that, that, that's, that's also true. Even actually the advi military advisor of uh, Central African Republic President Tuadera is actually Val Valery Zharkov. Quite Central African name, right? Um, who, who is actually somehow head of the Wagner Group in Central African Republic. And the way how it works is uh, that Wagner Group is securing places Around, 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 the, around the state, and for that, for that, uh, the company of Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, yeah, that's the name, is simply receiving, uh, receiving possibility to mine diamonds. And you probably know that Prigozhin is also connected to the Wagner Group. It's probably the founder, or somehow it's 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 connected to 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 to, to the private military company. I, I, I'm not sure whether it, this is like absolutely precise term to use to call it because I would even call it like terrorist group simply because what they are doing is simply abductions, uh, cutting hands, civilians, massacres, wherever they are. In Central African Republic, in Mali, in Libya. Yeah, quite, recent, quite recently, uh, they, have been, they are heavily involved in Mali. You probably know, it seems to me like it was actually yesterday, but it's actually a very long time when Mali actually broke down in 2012. From the time, mainly French and European Union have been around, somehow trying to secure the Sahel. But now, uh, several coup, uh, coups, actually, military coups happened in Mali. And... Uh, French government is generally not happy about not happy about military junta, which is right now in Mali. So they a bit withdraw from the Mali. They still they are still in a region, but what military junta did? Simply they called for Wagner Group. Wagner Group arrived, and now we are in a situation when I think it's like it was during March. I think probably one of the biggest civilian massacre uh, have been somehow reported in Mali, in Mopti region, you know, where roughly 300 civilians have been killed, according to, according to killed by Wagner Group. According to uh, Malian government, uh, all of them, it, it was not 300, it was 200, and they all have been terrorists. That's it. And uh, when they have been voting against in the Security Council, uh, because some states somehow wanted to investigate what happened, uh, there have been one country which say no, there will be no, no uh, independent investigation. You can guess who it was. Obviously it was Russia, who vetoed actually the whole investigation. Um, and that's actually how the whole system is working. Similarly, it's in Sudan. Wagner Group is securing al-Bashir's position, and again, the company connected to Prigozhin somehow, uh, getting a possibility to mine uh, gold, for example. So th that's the whole, I'm not sure how to call it, but it's somehow business plan of Russia, how to have support of African so we, states. So, right, so you, I'm a dictator in Africa. I want to stay in power. I just go to the Wagner group, say, keep me in power, kill whoever you want, and I will give, in return, you can have my diamonds, you can have access, or I'll just give you cash or something. And I'll also won't vote against Russia in the United Nations. That's basically the deal that's going on there in many yeah, other... How many countries are we talking about, do you think? Well, the Wagner Group have been involved in Africa, I would say roughly, roughly more than 15 countries, definitely. 15 countries? More, more than 15 How many countries. people are we talking about in those countries? Oof. How many millions? Well, like... Obviously, I cannot guess, but uh, Russian influence is quite heavy, heavy in very undemocratic countries like uh, like Central African Republic, Sudan, oh. Mali, Libya. Now, actually, it, it's interestingly visible how interest in of Russia is rising in in, in inter very interesting corridor through the throughout actually uh, throughout Africa, starting from Libya down to uh, Egypt, Libya down to Sudan. Central African Republic, Zambia, uh, South Africa, where the trade is heavily rising, and um, and it, it, it is quite visible. They somehow trying to trying to get much bigger influence in in, in in these countries. Obviously, there are democratic countries like South Africa, 
Yeah. And it is, in the sense, it is even more interesting that South Africa has been abstaining, I think, it was abstaining. Yeah, uh, but then in India a, abstained as well. Yep. Hey, quick, I want to come to the audience. We'll talk in a moment about the food crisis in Africa as a result of Ukraine war and the impact there, number one, and also the refugee refugees that matter. But in terms of what we've been discussing so far, is anyone any questions or comments or thoughts they want to share? I'm very interested to hear from you guys as well. Any questions you have, any thoughts? There's there's a guy at the front here and there's a guy at the back there. So can I bring a microphone to the guy at the front here, please? Do you have a second mic to give to the guy at the back there to be ready or not? No? You've only got one mic? Can you take the second mic to the back? The back? So yeah. Thanks very so much. It's not necessarily connected to what you were talking about, but you mentioned it about the uh, F uh, Asian investments, you call them investments. I wanted to ask you about, because I'm familiar with the case in Kenya about the railway that Kenya will never be able to pay back. And if I may ask you maybe briefly, because I guess there's not necessarily a topic of this conversation, but w w what are they trying to achieve there? Because, or what can they get in exchange? Because they're not after money, obviously. They don't want to get the money from Kenya back, so. Who, well, who's giving them money, China? Yes. Yeah. So this is actually a big question, which will, which I, I think is brilliant. That, if that's okay. If that's a great, no, no, it's a very relevant question. We'll come and we'll, we'll talk about it. So what is China doing in that in Kenya and many other places by loaning the money they're never ever going to pay back? It's a deliberate policy. The Americans used to do it, but we'll talk about that. And there's a guy at the back wants to ask. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So uh, so far we're just talking about Russia, and. Uh, uh, I, I don't have a question. It's a just uh, just a comment or no. For me, as I'm a geologist, um, I see well uh, the thing that Russia is controlling the mines for four diamonds in Africa in Central Africa Republic. Uh, it's just a small part of their economics, and they don't care um, as far as they the control over the country and some votes in in uh, in the UN. Um, it's more important for them. But the China actually is. Uh, in control of uh, some ore deposits in Central Africa in, in general. Uh, these, those deposits are for very rare elements like neop and tantalum, and they really want uh, that for their industry. And so say, they do care about the, the supplying them, themselves and so, and not much as for votes in UN. So it's the, it's, it's the other way around. So just to be clear, the point you'll make, so the Chinese, do you mean the Chinese are, are good guys in this, that they care? No, 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 no. no they want no, it for just, China. Just, they want resources they, for China. They really want the resources, not the votes, but Russia wants the votes and, and the, the yeah. power and, in that and, region. And they're crooks as well, probably. They just want the money, I imagine, yeah. too. So, two very, so let's start with the, well, they're, they're actually very connected points, kind of the different roles of China and Russia in the way they're dealing with Africa. Over to you, Martin. Well, yes, China definitely wants wants resources, it wants it heavily. Like, uh, and th th it's actually interesting model of, uh, or mode of, uh, I will still probably call it investments or trading with Africa, I'm not sure. Um, because it's, it's called Angolan mode, uh, because they offer an infrastructure for uh, raw materials, bauxite, manganese, uranium, whatever the country has in the moment. And so, well, you gave us, I'm not sure, I don't know, five uh, possibility to mine 5% of bauxite, for example, that would be in Ghana, and we will build you ports, railways, um, yeah. Football stadium. Headquarters for African Union. You probably know the story about African Union headquarters built by Chinese and gifted, full of uh, Spying, I believe, spying machines. No, I'm not sure what it's the yeah. spying technology. Yeah, yeah, full, full of yeah, spying technology. Simply, which means in the in the in the end, well, okay, they, we know all the information on African Union, but obviously, from from the long hand, we know all the information on other countries because there is lots of lots of speaks about. This is also connected. For for example, we. And when we are speaking about the infrastructure, we are not speaking only about ports, about the railways. We're also speaking about internet, for example. Uh, China is now, and Huawei is building 4G internet connections uh, all around Africa. And also it, it's providing, for example, camera systems to, to countries. So we are now also speaking about 
let's say, spying its own uh, civilians, because obviously, as the as the as the yeah, internet is built by the Chinese, it is very easily monitored by the government. And it several times actually happened during during the uh, recent recent years that uh, African countries somehow stop obviously mobile mobile uh, networks or internet because internet, for example, WhatsApp is very important for people to group to gather in case of protest, for example. Um, Do just interestingly, for example, giving, can I just ask you story? Are they giving that info? Are they giving the African governments? who are their friends, access to that information? Or are they themselves the Chinese monitoring? Uh, no, they, they obviously, the Chinese actually helping African African uh, authoritarian uh, presidents or governments to some somehow spy on their own. I on their own. Yeah, that's that. for, for example, for example, interest, interesting, interesting thing is case of, I think, university, is it the University of Zambia? Yeah, the, which has quite, very, quite very, very good camera system on its campus. Because the university is obviously a place where the very often opposition movements somehow gather and where the opposition ideas are somehow secured. So the whole universe, somehow so the, the university is spied by the government. And don't, that, that we're speaking about Zambia, which I would still say, well, it's more democratic than some of the other, so other, this, other countries. So if I'm, again, if I'm a dictator in Africa and I don't want, and I want to keep all the money for myself and my friends, and I don't, I don't want to allow any... This is quite an attractive offer, isn't it? That the Chinese will build me a port, maybe build me a football stadium in my name, build me a railway line in Kenya, and, and give me all the information on my opponents. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good yeah, deal yeah, for You me. receive a lot of things, and, and plus you will, for example, receive uh, some, let's say, also infrastructure in case of television. It's, I think it's Starlight, Chinese company, who's building, again, it's, I think it's the biggest provider of TV signal around Africa. Uh, obviously heavily fooled with Chinese propaganda also. It's, that's another, another part of Chinese way to Africa is uh, through the propaganda, through, uh, say, soft power. We have something we call, or it's called Confucius uh, Institutes. And so, and and so, it, 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 the spread of propaganda of China is also here. So China is China is somehow helping the the yeah, non uh, authoritarian regimes to somehow hold on, spy spy the regimes, uh, spy spy its own civilians, oppositions, but also it's spreading its own uh, its own its own propaganda. But to be and now honestly and not to be a hypocrite, we have to admit that, for example, in Ethiopia, the some some parts of let's say infrastructure which could be through which could be civil society or society simply spied have been built, for example, by the America by the United States also. So it's, it's the same just, just to be just to be honest in in this sense, it's not it's not only it's not it's not only China who is somehow providing providing uh, infrastructure for this, but it, those are also come, other, other come, countries. Okay, come back to the question this guy asked. Why does China do it? So you said that we'll build, build your railway line, give us 5% of your bauxite or whatever you happen to have, but we're, we're lending you money that you're never, ever going to pay back, right? Future generations of Africans will have this debt. They're never going to pay. What does China get out of that? That's the thing. You, you are not, like, buying. You are, like, you know, money. You, you, are, you own the country. You are, you are taking the, the raw materials. That's what you want. And sometimes now it's even done the way that uh, the sale of the raw materials is done simply on a world trade, like, business somehow schedule. So it's, it's not the direct sale to, to the uh, to the to the China because this way China could somehow protect itself in case of you know uh, changing prices for the raw materials right. for example. But, but um, I think I'm right in saying that that there are a lot of ports now in Africa which China's built never going to be paid back. China says, okay, you can't pay us. They're our ports now. So now they've got a port. I mean that's right, isn't it? There are large parts of infrastructure in Africa that are now essentially China. Yep. In Africa, is, do, that, do, is that right? Yeah, those are essentially China. It, it's also important to mention that uh, many of the many, many of the employees are Chinese. Many of the employees are Chinese. Yep. Yeah. So the, Chinese the, the, people are building the, the, Chinese. It, it would not be African people working, for example, yeah, in the railways. It okay. would be for several years. It would be it, it would be Chinese. The agenda for today is how does Ukraine? So that's I think that's interesting. I hope you found that it's fascinating, isn't it? And horrible. 
But how does Ukraine affect all of this? What, what, so, okay, we got, we've got the point that, okay, we, African votes are on the Russian side, some of them, we got that point. But how else is Ukraine, what's happening in Ukraine, changing this dynamic, if at all? Well, uh, as, I've, as I've mentioned, the food crises have been already there because Africa, <laughs> it has so many different stresses around. We can speak about climate change right now. We can speak about conflicts. We can speak, uh, you know, I would, right now I would heavily highlight, uh, highlight climate change uh, by which Africa is probably the most hated continent or it will be and it is already and already uh, heat waves and drop already lowered production of fields in uh, all around all, all around Africa and with this if we think about that some of the countries are heavily dependent on import of cereal products of wheat uh, that is this is and a huge huge uh, huge problem because some of them are dependent only on Ukraine on Russia or Russia let's say roughly from some for some let's say 40% for example that that's that's a lot of wheat that you will miss uh, in following year probably or as long as the conflict will be here and that it, it's, it's it's actually not only only the wheat because probably that's the thing that we all always think about it it's it's the wheat we all see rising prices of the bread uh, but it's also fertilizers I think it's Ukraine who is one and, and Russia also is like big producer of fertilizers. And it already has been announced that uh, African state will probably, the crop yields will probably be lowered roughly by 30 to 50 percent. Wow. Only, only because of, of, of the missing fertilizers. So what, what happens, okay, now let's go to what happens. So, that's to, so what happens next? You, your crop yields are down, you don't have wheat, what happens and, and how does this play out? What happens as a result of that? Well, uh, well, I don't want to be uh, Robert Kaplan and his 90s dark picture of Africa and coming anarchy, definitely not. Um, uh, well, there, there have been that question earlier about whether European Union is prepared on, on, mig on, on migrants from, from Africa. Well, again, we are coming back to that picture. We talk about Africa. We don't speak about Africa. We don't speak about the people suffering in Africa. We speak about the migrants coming to Europe. And um, but obviously, there will be there will be there is already a problem. Already, there are people living in food insecurity. Half of the population of Cameroon, roughly, would be, according to um, UN food uh, food program, for example, and. Um, well, it is hard to project what, what will happen. Obviously, some would expect there could be some demonstration, there could be unrest. Well, but this is always, we are expecting, well, I'm hungry, so therefore I will fight. Maybe there will be a coup, some, some more military coups. It could be. Reasoning behind that would be that uh, army is always seen as, let's say, the first institution or the best working institution in, in, in African countries, and therefore, well, army will save us. Um, it could happen. But on the other hand, what we, for example, know right now from climate research or climate conflict research, which is heavily focusing on conflicts and whether climate change is making conflicts easily, you know, simply saying, uh, is that, well, it's not always the truth. Sometimes people simply, why I should fight for something that is not existing? You know, you're fighting because you are hungry, but other people are also hungry. So you actually have nothing to fight for. And so sometimes it's even said that, well, sometimes people fighting rather in case of when there is lots of, lots of food, there is something to fight for. We call it, for example, raining, raiding nexus somehow, because, so that's, that's the reasoning, because we, many people would expect, well, there will be a conflict. There will be food scarcity conflicts. Well, it, 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 it is possible that it would not be, because it is also a possibility that there, that African countries will be able to solve it, that they will they find will, a way. They will be able to. That they, they will be able to find a way. I've been mentioning the fertilizers. Uh, Nigeria is already preparing a, pro, a huge project where Nigerian company could probably provide, at least in some rates, 
yeah. the missing fertilizers to other countries. It will be a lot about the cooperation uh, between African countries and to somehow find a solution. And as I mentioned, it is a possibility for mutual, uh, mutually help each other. Not only that the European again coming to Africa and telling them how they should develop, what you should build, what the way you should govern your state, but it could be mutual benef mutually beneficial. At last, did we hear that, everyone? A positive story from today. <laughs> After all the terrible doom and gloom, there's a possibility of mutual benefit. We get your gas, we help you. There's, we're trading with each other, not just trying to... There's a gentleman at the front. I'm also keen to hear from women today as well. To have, so if you're a woman, uh, there's a lady down here. So can we get a microphone? Oh, you've got one? And then a mic to this lady here, please. So, sir. Uh, if I can... By the way, sorry to say... If you want to speak in Czech, if you're more comfortable in Czech, feel f you can do that because obviously Martin understands. You. It doesn't matter whether I understand you or not. It's important he does. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, we are talking, uh, talking about uh, that the Russian is selling or providing uh, gangsters to, pro to dictators and uh, China is building infrastructure for getting resources from uh, Africa. What about uh, European Union and their new program, Open Gate? What's the potential of it? And uh, what's the, I don't know, uh, biggest idea for this program and the European Union and where you can see the biggest potential to change in Africa and where to start? Can you just explain what Open Gate is for those that don't know it? Just briefly. Yeah, the Open Gate is a program, something like a Silken Road, like China have in uh, African and uh, Balkanese and here around the Euro Eurasia region. And European Union want to fund a project in Africa, which uh, is uh, follow the European values and uh, protect the human rights and individuality and stuff like that, what we are providing and protecting here in the right. European Union. Thank you. That's a great question. Thank you. And uh, Madam, yeah. So my question goes back to China. Uh, you mentioned earlier that um, they, they invest and oh, they, they, invest, they invest for their own interests, but they also sell a lot of know-how to Africa. And I spent some time working in Africa and I've seen with my own eyes the Chinese sort of investments and also the hundreds of thousands of Chinese workers working and kind of like not Africans really benefiting from anything. I'm just wondering, are there any examples where they actually provided know-how that did not serve the purposes of the authoritarian government, such as the, you know, the technological advances and so on and so forth. So actually some sort of positive know-how transfer, not just them coming and building something with Chinese workers and then leaving and the roads, you know, not working in the next rain season, which is what I saw, you know, in most of the countries. So, so they, any positive done, examples? Thank you. So have they done some good stuff as well as selfish stuff? Is the question there. That's yeah. Okay. Can I ask you to be brief, Martin, because I want to get more questions in, more points. So the first question was about the European initiative, Open Gate. Uh, yeah, which you obviously know about. Well, what do you think? Well, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me, I think it's also the first time that European Union stopped to talk about development. Is it, is, that's important, you know, because when you, when you mentioned that you want to develop someone, you automatically expect that you are, you are in somehow a higher position. That's the patronizing tone, which is always here. We are the... Yeah, we are the great West that is coming to Africa to develop you, help you. You need our help. That, that, because I think that this, this, this is also thing that this, that's that's the thing that you would probably never never hear never hear from from China. Definitely not. So I'm I'm somehow expecting that it it is a great possibility because and I would say it's heavily about this narrative about the words that we are using because with the colonial history that we have and that China doesn't have, uh, it is important how we, how, 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 how we uh, provide the information, how we present it, yes, how we present it to, to African states. And so I see, yes, I see it definitely as, as a huge opportunity because we can, we can show that, yes, we can have a mutual, uh, yeah, we can, I don't want to use the developer word, but, Information, it's a internet, it's a healthcare, or... 
Um, this is also one issue that I, I was thinking heavily about because I'm now in that kind of mindset when I would say, well, we are probably coming late because the space is already filled. For example, with that internet infrastructure, no, it's, it's already done. It will be done by Huawei, it will be done by ZTE and others. Uh, so it, 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 is, it, is, it, is, it is kind of pessimist point of view that like, okay, we are coming late. But I would still say, well, maybe now is, now is the time. Now is the time to, to prove ourselves that uh, we, can, uh, yeah, we can trade with each other without any patronizing point of view. And it is still like, you also still have to think about some other bar barriers that are here. Even what? though that on a paper, everything is, let's say, equal. In, in, the, in the end, it's very hard, for example, for African products to get to a European uh, markets because of some other, yeah, sim sim simple to say, we can, we, uh, we can, for example, subsidize our agri agricultural products, which means that obviously with the prices, African products, agricultural products cannot compete with the European products. Uh, so it, it is again a, a bit problematic in the end, but I, I would see it definitely as, as an opportunity because I think it was actually a good idea. I, I wanted to get to this point that there is that end of development, uh, somehow cooperation. No, we, we should focus on being uh, equal, equal, equal partners. Just very briefly, on, just very, very briefly. What's the scale of this? So China's got the Belt and Road Initiative putting trillions and trillions in. Are we talking about a big, hundreds of billions of dollars of euros, or is it a little... No, like, that's at the beginning. It's billion euros, but we are just at the beginning. Right, okay. No, no Isn't this a great example of how we should be working together in the West because of, um, we, you know, Britain is trying to have a big Commonwealth uh, policy. We've got a, a lot of former colonies that are in the Commonwealth that are friends of Britain, and we're doing our own thing. It's crazy. Um, but the second question was about... Let, let's, let's not go into Brexit. The, the, the second question was about, is, can you think, you know, what you've studied, have you seen some really great examples of Chinese doing good stuff in Africa or not? You're struggling. You get me a bit in the corner now. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I, still, I still somehow, some, obviously the infrastructure as railways could be very important from the point of trade. It could help mutual, uh, mutual trade between the states. Ports, obviously, very important from the point of, of economic, uh, yeah, economic gains. Um, so, yeah, or, or water dams, for example, in case of electricity. So, obviously, there is something that Africa is receiving, in, in, like, rec receiving back. Uh, so I, I would see it from this point of view, because Africa is really receiving this infrastructure, even though for very, 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 very high prices. I can I can recommend, by the way, for those of you who've been to Astrava before, has anyone ever what, seen John Perkins speak here in Melting Pot? No? So John Perkins has been a very regular speaker here, and he wrote a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. He's just written a new version, he's come up with a new version, and he tells the whole story of how America in the 60s did exactly the same thing, used debt to make countries dependent on itself. And he was one of those people. And then he became, you know, he flipped and he wrote the book exposing this. He's written a new version of the book that incorporates how China's basically copying the American playbook uh, to, uh, to do. I, I think you want to come back with something, don't you? So please do. Yes, I wanted to ask a uh, Oh, sorry, about the next lady. Yeah. Water. Yes. Um, it was mentioned here about water reservoirs in Africa. I wanted to ask um, if uh, these countries like China built something like this in Africa, because I read a few years ago about water wars in Africa and Middle East, and I wanted to ask to this topic of water and building some infrastructure for people. So, so is your is your point? Tell us about the water wars, or is yes, water wars in Africa. Water wars in Africa, and, and what's going to happen? It's the big one, isn't it? You know, yes. look at Egypt and uh, you know, and uh, uh, the, the Nile Dam. Yeah, the Nile. Et, 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 I mean, people were more wars around. over water than oil, weren't they? Right. So let's tell us about tell us about that. Was and and I do want to put it in the context. If there's any Ukrainian angle to it, bring it in. If there isn't, no problem. Don't 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 force well, it. Well, I will try to force it to the no, Ukrainian, no. not the Ukrainian context, but the context of Russian or, or world order according to Russia right now. 
when we talk about the water wars, even though I don't, I'm not a huge fan of this kind of concept that there will be huge waterfall because that water scarcity and climate change, because that's, it is proven rather than the, that the climate change and this resource scarcity point of view is not working. Uh, but um, uh, but about about this, uh, because what is the world or according to Russia? It's well, there is someone in danger just across the border. Therefore, I have to invade it and help my people who are somehow uh, in struggle. That there's actually narrative of Russia and Ukraine, right? And the problem in Africa, even though Africa has very stable, well, I would say still kind of stable uh, borders, it was agreed after the after after the end of colonialism. It was agreed in case of uh, African Union and uh, generally among the states that borders will be secured on, on as they are. Uh, and actually, we can we can see I think only some two. It would be two three changes in in the borders. It would be South Sudan. It would be Eritrea. Um, and um, and the thing is, what what what, what, what when, I'm, when I'm coming, uh, sometimes the, the water disputes are, but the what uh, water border disputes are still here. Definitely, there is several of the border disputes around around uh, obviously Ethiopia, Eritrea, Eritrea. It could be Sudan. Uh, you know, generally, most of the Horn of Africa, the borders are disputed. Uh, and, and also in other countries. For example, around the Lake Malawi, the water border is heavily disputed because the border is always hard to settle. For example, in case of river, if it's in, in case it's a border river or border lake, it's always disputed. So sometimes it is argued and it, it could provoke this, this kind of problem. Like just think about Lake Chad, obviously, uh, which is almost disappeared actually, but yeah, there already some of my colleagues would argue, well, there are already disputes on this tri-border. It, 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 it could cause this water, water wars, water conflicts. Um, but it is not, it's not the case so far. And I hope it will not, it not be that they will still... You, so your, your point is that because Russia has said borders, we can go in, if we decide the border's wrong, we're going to change it. You think this sets a precedent in some parts of Africa? So, well, actually, we don't like this border here either. We want to change it. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, but that's actually the reason why why that half of the country supported the resolution because they are worried that the status quo would be bro bro broke down. Will They're the will ones be break whose down. border is going to be invaded. Yes, yeah. sim simply same thing as on Ukraine could happen in Africa. Well, and, there will and, be a uh, stronger country who will simply invade us because. They will argue that, well, our people are endangered in your state. Because every African country has a tribe probably somewhere. Part of our tribe is actually in that part of the country. I, I will correct you. Uh, the tr definitely the, the word tribe is not, not, not the correct one. But okay, I would, sorry. I would say like the ethnic groups are simply not, um, how to say, are not in one state. Yes. The, the, reasoning is, the reasoning is colonialism because the borders have been simply drawn on a table, okay, let's make a border here. That, that's why Mali is looking so strange, that it's like clean line. That's a nonsense from geographical point of view that you have nicely uh, direct lines. So most of, most of the ethnic groups are living in more than one state, for example, Tuaregs. Yes. And do you think that... No, I'm, uh, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop you because, I'm gonna stop you because we're running out of time and I wanna get to one other subject. So I'm gonna say, thank you, you've had your say. I wanna... Uh, uh, I just want to make, get this point really clear that as in Ukraine, ethnic groups across borders, if we, if we can unite ethnic groups across borders in, in Ukraine, if Russia can do that, this is what might start happening in Africa. That's a, that's a, I want to get on to the other issue of, of refugees, which you mentioned. And I know that you're involved with, the, um, with, the, with African re, uh, immigrants into the Czech Republic, of which there aren't many, I guess there aren't many here, are there? Well, not many, definitely. No. Um, if I'm not mistaken now, I'm just not, not sure about a uh, absolutely precise statistic. I think there's a roughly 4,000, maybe a bit more. 4,000. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe it's, it's more. But yeah, there are African, African migrants, obviously, or pe Af uh, African people living in, 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 a Czech, in a Czech Republic. And there have been even uh, African refugees coming from Ukraine. Wow. Which have not been very... Yeah, it was not visible simply. It was not reported by the newspapers. And it was actually 
used by populist parties and popular, simply populists simply to say, well, look at what's happening. That's like African immigrants coming. That, and that's a narrative that populists used uh, in, in the start of Russian war against Ukraine. Look at there are Africans coming through the borders. It's nothing about the Russian aggression on, 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 on Ukraine. No, it's only European Union way how to get African, Africans to, to, to Europe. It's obviously, obviously nonsense. Obviously in Ukraine, there have been more, there have been several thousands Africans studying, working. Yeah, there like, was a big Indian group I remember. But um, I just want to get to this point. We've only got a few minutes left. So what should Czech people be thinking about now? It, it, we've got lack of food in parts of Africa. Is there, do you, despite your positive note before, is there likely to be a big migrant crisis? If so, what's your, so that's the first question. Secondly, what's your experience of the Czech Republic's response to that when Africans are suddenly coming here, given that you work with Africans in the Czech Republic? What's your, I'd like to hear your perspective. Well, there, there was a very important note with Matt Steinglass actually mentioned whether the European Union is prepared on migrants. And his answer, if you haven't been here, was no, we are prepared only, only for white and Christian migrants. Well, that's how I would say it. Uh, unfor un unfortunately, the, for example, Africans living in the Czech Republic always have to deal with some kinds of or forms of yeah, inequality or, you know, simply, I don't know whether you have never uh, ever experienced, probably not because you are speakers of Czechs, but, you know, probably that, uh, that sentence, you live in Czech, you should speak in Czech. You know, it's like, like it happened to me actually recently also that well you are on in 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 Czech Republic you should speak Czech, and um, you know this kind of discrimination is happening actually around and it's it's not easy uh, easy to uh, to face problems in the Czech Republic and being from being from being from Africa, so and uh, but to the point I'm not expecting uh, any huge migrant waves. You would probably not, even though there would be food crisis in whole Africa, m most often refugees simply move from one country to, to the one of the closest one. R right now, most of the refugees from African, if we talk about African con uh, conflicts, are in Africa. Right. Most IDPs, it, it, it would be rather IDPs or it would be refugees, so they are in uh, border countries. For example, in Mali, it would be all the countries around. So, and, and then they would, probably rather came back to, 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 to their uh, country of origin rather than to travel somewhere far away. Obviously, sometimes the tr like human trafficking, they will provide them that the picture, okay, let's go to Europe, they, they will be better. You know, but obviously that's, that's just a business for the human, human trafficking, but the people, most of, most of the people, as the reports are, uh, somehow, would like when the conflict ends, simply stay as close to the, to the home. And that is how I would see it. Or I don't know, if I would be in that position, I would probably not run away thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometers. I would run away to the closest somehow safe, safe space. Or Right, and I, I guess Czech Republic isn't one of the main destinations for those that are being trafficked and either. That's, that's also the, also the thing, even, even though probably populist one of the non, well, I will not mention the name. One of the one of the uh, one of the political party would probably very likely say, "Well, they are coming again here to steal our jobs," as we remember a few years ago with the twelve migrants or twelve refugees have, uh, in, 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 in in the Czech Republic. It's, but that's how pop, what populists do. So. Yeah, and the whole bunch of disinformation will be probably around with this, and it's, I, I would say that they are already they are already here. So we should be worried about this. Thank you. Look, we're out of time. I hope you found that. Uh, first of all, may I say thank you all for coming. Uh, I actually thought, and both Martin and I agreed that we thought that this session of all today might be less full because it wasn't as as. Uh, we didn't think it would be as popular a subject as some of the others which are about the Czech Republic, Europe and so on. So thank you all for coming and really being interested in this issue of Africa. Um, and it's great to hear from people actually got really experience and knowledge from the audience. That's brilliant. Um, we, it was fascinating. We're going to, in our next session, be pulling together some of the strands, some of the things we've been talking about today, 
with a, several of our experts. We've talked about Europe, we've talked about the superpowers, we've talked about Africa, and, the, and how Ukraine is changing these different parts of the world. So in, in about 10 minutes, 10, 12 minutes, we're gonna be a panel discussing this with you, with whoever's here to discuss it with us, because this is a conversation. But for now, before we do that, please uh, join me in saying thank you to Martin Schmeidel for his conversation. <laughs>